Good evening and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. You're with Talk. We're on TV, we're on radio, we're online and we're on your smart speaker. Coming up, King Charles is diagnosed with cancer following treatment for an enlarged prostate, with Buckingham Palace announcing that he's choosing to share this diagnosis to avoid speculation and assist public understanding for those who share the condition. It is not known at this stage what type of cancer His Majesty has. His son, Prince Harry announces he will fly back to the UK to visit the King. We'll be bringing you all the latest news and reaction as it happens. This is the place to be. We begin tonight with that breaking news that has rocked Britain. King Charles has been diagnosed with cancer. These are live pictures of Buckingham Palace tonight as passers-by visit the home of the royal family. The King had been recovering in his Sandringham estate but has returned home to begin his treatment today and is now understood to be recovering in Buckingham Palace. So here's what we know tonight. At six o'clock this evening, Buckingham Palace released a statement saying, during the King's recent hospital procedure for benign prostate enlargement, a separate issue of concern was noted. Subsequent diagnostic tests have identified a form of cancer. His Majesty has today commenced a schedule of regular treatments during which time he has been advised by doctors to postpone public facing duties. Throughout this period, His Majesty will continue to undertake state business and official paperwork as usual. The King is grateful to his medical team for their swift intervention, which was made possible thanks to his recent hospital procedure. He remains wholly positive about his treatment and looks forward to returning to full public duties as soon as possible. His Majesty has chosen to share his diagnosis to prevent speculation and in the hope it may assist public understanding for all those around the world who are affected by cancer. Accompanying the shock statement, the palace released a new picture of King Charles showing His Royal Highness smiling and buoyant despite the shock news. The royal sources said the King does not have prostate cancer and his separate condition was only recently diagnosed in tests following hospital treatment for benign prostate enlargement. The medical emergency for His Majesty, who was one of the longest serving heirs in British history, comes less than a year after his own coronation as King. And it's believed the 75-year-old monarch personally called his siblings and his children to notify them of the diagnosis. The news has triggered an unscheduled reunification with his son, Prince Harry, with the Duke of Sussex reportedly set to travel back to the UK in the coming days. And at this stage, we understand his wife will not be joining him. Let's now bring in my guests for some analysis. Alongside me is Talk TV's Royal Editor, Sarah Hewson, and our Chief Political Commentator, Peter Cardwell. Very good evening to both of you. Sarah, um, let me start with you. I mean, a shock announcement, I think, for everybody, really, because everyone was kind of just getting over the the double medical situation with King Charles and the Princess of Wales. And, you know, he was in for a bit longer than we thought mm. he would be. And maybe we'll talk about that a bit later on. But, you know, how did this all kind of unfold this afternoon? Well, and we saw him yesterday attending mm. church with his wife, Queen Camilla, at Sandringham. Yeah. Uh, and then today he travelled back from Sandringham to London to begin his treatment. And today was the first uh, day of his treatment, having received this diagnosis in the last few days. Mm. Uh, so uh, at six o'clock this evening, uh, a statement was issued by Buckingham Palace confirming that the King does have cancer, that it was picked up during that procedure yes. for a benign enlarged prostate. An area of concern was noted. Uh, subsequent diagnostic tests were undertaken and the King was given the results and returned to London to start that treatment today. And it is at that point they put out the statement mm. uh, saying what had happened. They haven't told us what type of cancer it is. They haven't gone into too much detail about it. 
nor given any kind of uh, idea on timescales. Now, this is early days, right. and, uh, and they don't know, presumably, just how long this is going to take. But the king is going to be out of view. Right. Public engagements are all going to be cancelled while he's undergoing this treatment. Significantly, though, it doesn't mean he's handing over his constitutional duties. He is going to carry on with the meetings uh, with the Prime Minister, the weekly audience that takes place on a Tuesday with the Prime Minister. He will continue to have the Privy Council meetings. He will have his red boxes. What he won't be doing is glad-handing with mm. the public uh, no. while he's going through this treatment. No. And, Peter, they've obviously differed in a way from the last... Um, announcement that they made when he was going in for prostate surgery because I think we were equally surprised at that point uh, that he was so candid about what he was going in for whereas now uh, there are people who are saying already well hang on uh, they were quite candid last time around why are they not being as candid this time around so do you think it will remain um, a mystery as to what type of cancer he has or do you think there'll be more forthcoming? I think it will leak out in the next few days. There are a lot of people who know some information, and certainly the Prime Minister was informed of this cancer diagnosis before uh, 6 o'clock, before the embargo was lifted on yeah. this uh, piece of information. We've had lots of politicians reacting right around the world. Of course, the King is King mm. in 14 different countries, and the fact that we have uh, Prime Minister's presidents, former presidents and Donald Trump, wishing him all the best and saying, uh, in Donald Trump's mm. words, he's a great guy. Yeah. So there are lots of people wishing him well, including many politicians here in the UK and beyond. Yes, and there are lots of people very, very concerned around the world because, of mm. course, you know, this is a massive story. We heard Andrew Neil on Piers Morgan's show saying, you know, it's leading the news in America, it's leading the news in France, everywhere you go, this is the big story. So let's go down now to the King's Royal Residence, Buckingham Palace, with Talk TV correspondent Holly Hudson. Uh, tell us what it's like. What's going on down there, Holly? Very good evening. Very good evening to you, Mike. Yes, there's a handful of members of the public outside the palace gates this evening, but the world's media, as you can imagine, have descended here on Buckingham Palace. But it's still really eerily rather quiet, a rather sombre atmosphere after that shocking news that the King has been diagnosed with a form of cancer. Now, we know, of course, that the King travelled from his residence in Sandringham in Norfolk uh, this morning down to here, uh, his residence here in London, which is typically Clarence House, but the Royal Standard is flying above Buckingham Palace here this evening, which usually denotes that the King is in residence. Now, no further details, as you mentioned, have been released at this stage on the type of cancer or the prognosis. But what we do know is that this isn't prostate cancer. What the Palace said was that this separate issue was discovered during his recent treatment uh, for an enlarged prostate. And we saw the King a week ago uh, leaving hospital, smiling and waving at the public and in equally good spirits yesterday after leaving church in Sandringham and we know from the statement from the palace that he is remaining positive they said he remains wholly positive about his treatment and looks forward to returning to full public duty as soon as possible and while he will continue to carry out uh, constitutional work state work paperwork he will be stepping back from that public facing aspect of his role it's un unknown at this time whether he of course will be able to uh, fulfill carry out the royal tours that are planned uh, Canada Australia New Zealand in the coming months but we do know or expect Queen Camilla to step up to more public engagements uh, to support her husband and Prince William too of course set to return to royal duties uh, later this week after he stepped back to try and help his wife, the Princess of Wales, recover after she had abdominal surgery. Now, we understand that the King had personally told both of his sons, Prince William 
and Prince Harry, and we know that the Prince of Wales is in regular contact with the King, and we understand Prince Harry will be returning from LA to London to be with his father later this week. So the royals, his sons, rallying around in support of the monarch. And this news, of course, Mike, comes less than a year after the area behind me here, down the mall in front of Buckingham Palace, was full of thousands of members yeah. of the British public. Crowds, huge crowds, welcoming the King, the Queen, back to Buckingham Palace after he was crowned at his coronation. Holly, thanks very much indeed. We'll be coming back to you later on uh, in the show. Holly Hudson down outside Buckingham Palace right now for us here at Talk TV. But let's bring in Royal Commentator Emily Andrews now because, Emily, um, we've heard about uh, so many members of the royal family stepping back. You know, we know that um, the Princess of Wales, Kate, is not going to be around until sometime after Easter. Um, King Charles now not going to be around. Andrew obviously out of the game completely. Um, it's leaving them all a bit bereft, isn't it? Well, yes, I guess this is, you know, be careful what you wish for. You know, for a long time when Charles was the heir, Prince of Wales, he had sort of talked about having a slimmed down monarchy. And now we do have a very, such a slim monarchy, perhaps some might say transparent, because there are so few members to carry out what are important royal jobs. We've got, you know, the king... He's just been reported suffering um, a form of cancer, so he's going to be out of all public-facing duties, but he is still going to do those affairs of state, as Sarah said. And we've got the Princess of Wales, who is um, recuperating at home after serious abdominal major surgery, so we won't see her until after Easter. And so Camilla, we've got really kind of got Queen Camilla sort of holding the fort. And I think it does sort of really focus the mind on, you know, what, what exactly do we want our royal family to do? Because, yes, of course, though, that business of state, as Peter will know, you know, the, the, the weekly meetings with the prime minister, the, 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 the um, correspondence with his, his 13 other prime ministers in the realms of which he's head of state and all the kind of constitutional governmental business he has to do. But really, when it comes to the kind of the iconography of monarchy, of what, you know, us, you know, the man and woman in the street think about monarchy, it is members of the royal family, particularly those very senior members of the royal family, the king, the queen, the prince and the princess of Wales, getting out and about, doing those walkabouts, visiting those charities that are very, very important for the popularity of the monarchy. Well, absolutely right. I mean, let me come back to you, Sarah, because um, there has been a kind of strain already on the working royals, isn't there? Because they haven't been able to fulfil all the things that they, that they have to do. I mean, in the event that these upcoming tours can't go ahead with the king, I mean, can anybody else be drafted in to do them? No, I, I think really uh, he would want to be travelling to those Commonwealth realms, Canada and Australia and New Zealand, for example, as monarch, and mm. they would want him to be the first member of the royal family of this reign to be travelling uh, to those countries. So it is likely that they will be postponed, mm. uh, as uh, depending on the length of the king's treatment and recovery. But the tour to Canada was due to be taking place in the spring, yeah. in May. That's not very far off. Uh, Australia later on in the year, more like the autumn. We're still a way off at that. We have no idea on the kind of time frames mm. uh, on this at the moment. But it, it, it certainly does, uh, as you've been discussing, highlight just how thin on the ground the members of the royal family are when you take out the Princess of Wales and the Prince of Wales, who was going to be taking a little bit longer off uh, to help his wife settle back in at home and look after the children. Uh, we had this statement from Kensington Palace earlier on today, a briefing to the Sunday papers as well, that he was going to be back to mm. duties this week. I think that's significant and certainly choreographed as a, a way of reassuring the public that 
the Prince of Wales mm. is back uh, yes. to business. While then, later on, a few hours later, we get the news that the King is going to be taking some time out. But that is an awful lot of pressure on the remaining members of the royal family, Camilla, uh, who's going to be torn uh, between wanting to support mm. the King, but also carry out a full diary of engagements, we're told, Princess Anne, uh, the Duke and Duchess of Edinburgh. Yes. And Peter, any political sort of ramifications short term? Because there's always going to be a King's speech at some point in the, uh, in, the in the future, I suppose. There's always, always going to be conversations to be had. It's an election year. Yeah. You know, Northern Ireland has just been given its new first minister. Yes. You know, there's all sorts of stuff happening, which normally speaking, you'd expect the King to be involved in. Well, I would have thought the King would have probably made a visit to Northern Ireland probably within the next year at some yeah. stage. Certainly that will have been with functioning government back and he is the head of state for Northern Ireland as a constituent yeah. part of the United Kingdom. So that will have been something that was on the minds uh, of Rishi Sunak when he was in Northern Ireland today and being informed about this news. What's interesting as well is I think that there are, uh, I mean, the, the 14th of November is the most likely date, I think, for a general mm. election. That is actually the King's 76th birthday. Right. And what's interesting is that we're so focused on politics and the uh, problems that Rishi Sunak is having, the uh, huge lead that Labour has, that actually perhaps the unifying nature of the royal family and the fact that so many people, including Republicans in Northern Ireland, that you mentioned Northern Ireland, the first first minister there, Michelle O'Neill, is a Republican who within the last 36 hours has been talking about a united Ireland mm. getting rid of the monarchy for Northern Ireland completely, has sent her best wishes and is sending all good wishes, as are so many other mm. people as well. So this sort of unifying nature of this might actually take let us take a slight step yeah. back. Politically as well, it's interesting because we're going quickly towards recess for half term next week. Also, I mean, there, this... I, I expect won't happen, but of course there will be a dusting down of some of the thoughts around the constitutional aspects of God forbid if the uh, if the king was incapacitated mm. in some way. There are various people, judicial uh, um, people, also politicians as well, the speakers involved. The Lord Chancellor is also the Justice Secretary, the Master of the Rules, the Lord Chief Justice or the Lady Chief Justice as she she now is, um, Dame Sue. So it'll be very interesting to see. Uh, what I mean, there'll be lots of preparations behind the scenes, but also I think the last Prime Minister's questions before the uh, recess, it, I think will be a much more mm. muted affair with Keir Starmer uh, and Rishi Sunak very fast out of the blocks after six o'clock, of course, putting their tweets out, being clear that they may not agree on much, but they agree that right. the King is in bad health and they want him to get better as soon as possible. Yes, absolutely. And that interview that Rishi Sunak did with Piers Morgan is on Talk TV tonight uh, at 11 o'clock, so don't miss that. But let's go back to Emily Andrews. Emily, on Piers Uncensored, Piers Morgan, just before this show, Tom Bower said that he was under the impression or had been informed by somebody that, that, that King Charles wasn't very well, hadn't been very well, um, and so this, for him, was not such a surprise. Had you heard that the King was in poor health? No, and actually, I, I had heard um, quite the opposite, hmm. that um, he, was in, he was in good spirits, actually. He's had, um, you know, he's really enjoyed his first kind of full year as monarch. I mean, you, you have to remember as well that when we're sort of talking about the royal family, they are... A family so we kind of obviously talk about the monarch as head of state but they uh, charles has enjoyed obviously the the sort of the the burden shall we say of kingship but mm. also at the same time it is a family that have been you know 
grieving the loss of a, a much beloved grandmother. Yes, the Queen, Queen Elizabeth was 96. And so it was kind of a sad inevitability, but they were still losing the matriarch of the family. And, and so Charles obviously has, has stepped up both for that in terms of head of the family and as head of state. And, and he's, he's, I mean, you know, Camilla even told him sort of you know, slow down a little bit because he does work mm. so hard. And uh, yeah, I, 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 his health has, well, like all of us, you know, he's entitled to privacy. So I don't know all the ins and outs of his, of his health, but I mean, he, he eats very well. He exercises every morning. He religiously does these army exercises that he got from the Duke of Edinburgh, who he also did them every morning. Um, he's very fit for a man of his age. He eats incredibly well, doesn't skip lunch, doesn't eat lunch famously. So actually, and I, I'd heard that he was on, on very good form actually. So I think obviously the prostate, benign, enlarged prostate, it does happen to many men and particularly men when they get into their 60s and their 70s. But but for me personally, I was quite um, surprised and shocked by, by the news today. Having said that, obviously he's incredibly fortunate because he's our head of state. He's in the very privileged position of having every kind of medical consultant at his disposal. And this cancer would have been picked up very quickly possibly much more quickly than it would have done in say you or I so we hope that the treatment which is as an outpatient doesn't have to go into hospital for it will be successful and he'll be able to return to public duties as soon as possible. Emily thanks very much indeed Emily Andrews there reporting into us. Um, Sarah thank you very much indeed for being here. Peter I think you're going to be with us uh, for a little bit longer so we'll talk more uh, to you of course about all of the things that are coming up. We'll be talking to medical experts as well because of course cancer is something that affects pretty much every family in this country and that's why people are terribly interested with what's going on currently and we'll be keeping you up to date with any breaking news as it happens throughout the course of this show and beyond. You're watching The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Earlier this evening Buckingham Palace announced the King has been diagnosed with cancer and after the break we'll be covering what potential medical treatment could look like for the king. See you shortly. Welcome back. You're watching The Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. I want to bring you the breaking news once again. At six o'clock this evening, Buckingham Palace announced the King has been diagnosed with cancer. I'm joined by my panel, SDP candidate Amy Gallagher, constitutional historian Daniel Britton and assistant editor at Spectator Cindy Yu. Daniel, let me come to you first. Um, it's been quite a year for, for Charles, hasn't it? I mean, you know, it all sort of happened, I suppose, rather quickly for him when um, his mother died and we passed him into a new era, uh, the Carolean era, and here we are. And it's been um, a bit rocky, you'd have to say, health-wise for them. What did you make of this announcement today? It's, it's a big shock. Yeah. It's a big shock. It has been an interesting uh, year, Mike, because he's been a very active king. Mm. He's very much keen on the active monarchy yes. bit. Uh, he's not opposed to what his mother has been doing, but he is different mm. than his mother. Uh, there is a different feel to it, isn't it? Yes, I think he's very keen to get out and about uh, and, and do what he can do as king in mm. his own projects. He's been very keen on fostering his own projects and bringing them to the attention of ministers and, indeed, I'm sure, the Prime Minister. Yes. This, therefore, will be a terrible blow to him because he's really enjoying the job of king. Yes, and it does put a bit of a spanner in the works of all the planning that's been made for this year because, obviously, the first year, presumably, he was settling into the job... Obviously, he's been mm. waiting his entire life for, 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 yes. for, for the opportunity. Yes. Yeah. Um, 
And it must be frustrating for him because people say he's very much of a workaholic. He doesn't mm. like sitting around. Mm. He won't enjoy not being mm. able to do public duties, will he? Not at all. And you were talking about earlier the state visits, or they're not state mm. visits because they're realms of which he is head of state, yeah. but the visits to Australia, New Zealand, Canada, very, very important mm. to see the monarch again in those countries. Yeah. I mean, there hasn't been a monarch in Australia for a long, num long number of years yes. now. So very important to go back to. That must now be in jeopardy. Mm. It must be in jeopardy indeed. We'll talk some more about that. Um, but now let's remind ourselves of the recent health troubles we were talking about there that have affected the royal family. On January the 16th, the Princess of Wales was secretly admitted to the London Clinic and underwent abdominal surgery. The next day, at 2pm, Kensington Palace announced the Princess's operation and said she will remain in the private hospital for 10 to 14 days. Kate was not expected to return to royal duties until after Easter, and the palace said she would be taking three months to recover. The nature of the princess's condition was kept private, but it was confirmed that it was not cancerous. Also, on the 17th of January, Buckingham Palace announced the king was to have treatment for a benign enlarged prostate in the next few days. On the 18th of January, the Prince of Wales visited Kate in hospital, and Queen Camilla said the king is fine and is looking forward to getting back to work. A day after that, the King flew back from Scotland with the Queen to rest at the Sandringham Estate, ahead of his procedure to his prostate. And then on Sunday, the 21st of January, Sarah, the Duchess of York, revealed she had had an aggressive form of skin cancer. The following Tuesday, an insider told The Sun that Queen Camilla had told the King he needs to slow down a bit. The next day, the King was seen carrying out official duties meeting academics from Cambridge University. On Friday the 26th of January, the King is admitted to the London Clinic for enlargement for treatment of an enlarged prostate. And three days later, he was discharged from hospital alongside Kate. Then, on Sunday the 4th of February, the King and Queen attended church in Sandringham with Charles waving at well wishes. And then, to this evening at 6pm, Buckingham Palace announced the King has a form of cancer. We've got NHS GP Philippa Kay with us. Uh, Welcome, Philippa. Thanks very much for joining us. Um, we've been speaking about um, what's happened to King Charles, but one of the reasons I think that people sort of resonate so much with this story is that it's not any longer one in four people that have cancer. It's more like one in two people. It's more like every single family has a member of that family who is suffering in some way or who has suffered. Um, the King made it very clear when he announced that he had um, prostate surgery coming up that basically... He wanted to make the announcement so that other men might get themselves checked, and apparently they did. Um, we don't know what this cancer is, but, but what do you make of the way that the story is being kind of explained to us? I think you're absolutely right. So one in two of us will have cancer at some point in our lives, and that means that everybody knows somebody who is affected in some way. Mm. And people care very much about the health um, of the monarchy and of King Charles. Um, we do know the impact of him discussing his prostate um, enlargement has been very real with hits on the NHS website on the page of uh, benign prostatic enlargement going up by over a thousand percent. 
So we do know that it makes a real difference when people come forward and talk about um, what's happening to them. But we also have to remember that having a cancer, whatever form of cancer it is, is a huge trauma and really significant, and that he does have the right to um, keep some of that privately. And there may come a point later um, that he wants to talk about it. Um, but, you know, it is a big thing going on, and he does it under a massive spotlight. Yes. And is it a word that terrifies people when they get told when you as a doctor tell them that they've got cancer? I mean, how do they react? I, I can tell you how I reacted as a patient, never mind as a doctor, because I've had cancer myself. Mm. And, you know, we all have an image of, of what it is to have cancer. And there is this idea that cancer automatically means um, a death sentence, which it absolutely doesn't, because we are getting better and better at diagnosing cancer. And, and people um, have treatment and fully recover. And, and people are living longer and longer with cancer. What we do know here is that this cancer was picked up Almost incidentally, it was found when he was having another treatment for something else. And what that means potentially is that it was found before maybe he even had any symptoms at all. And that means that it's more likely to be um, at a very early stage and hopefully be much easier to treat so that he can have a full recovery. And when you go in to have um, surgery, for example, on your prostate, there would have been investigations done. So there would have been imaging of his pelvis. Maybe they did a routine chest X-ray before um, he had the surgery, they probably would have taken a routine full blood count. And so it may be that something came up on one of those routine investigations that then allows him to have treatment moving forward. Yes, and the treatment is less um, invasive, I suppose, now, isn't it? There are different types of treatment. We don't know, again, which type of treatment he's going to be undergoing. Um, but it doesn't have to be as debilitating as, say, it used to be years gone by. The image of somebody having chemotherapy as being terribly thin um, and with their hair falling out and vomiting over the toilet bowl. Unfortunately, for some people, that might be the case. But actually, um, we are much, much better at managing side effects um, than we were. And we have to balance your quality of life um, plus the treatment that you're having. Now, we don't know what kind of cancer he has and we don't know what kind of treatment he is having. But we do know, for example, that you might give chemotherapy before surgery to try and shrink a tumour. Um, that we give chemotherapy or radiotherapy over a period of time. And the fact that he's been told, advised by his doctors to avoid public duties for a period of time would suggest that either he's going to have a treatment which um, means that he might be tired or have side effects or might affect his immune system in some way because his job is essentially to press the flesh. Um, and there's lots of infections going around when you do that. So it may be that some kind of treatment might be affecting his immune system. Mm. Indeed. And what about his family? Because obviously not only is, it, is, is he affected by, by the diagnosis, but his family will be as well. The Queen, um, his two sons who he's been in touch with, um, how will they be feeling? I imagine that any family um, who is experiencing um, a cancer diagnosis, it's obviously a huge trauma. What they do know is that he is having the best possible care that he can be. And as somebody who had to tell her own family, I think the best thing that you can do is be in it together. It's okay for everybody to be scared and anxious and worried and have questions as long as we're in it together. And I very much hope that they are being open and supporting each other. Yes, indeed. Philippa, thanks very much indeed. NHS GP Philippa Kay there. Let me come to Amy Gallagher. Uh, welcome to the show. Thanks very much indeed for being here. Um, mayoral candidate, we should mention, uh, by, by uh, 
Association. Um, everybody has got some experience with cancer. I mean, it's a much more um, talked about disease now than it was. You worked in the NHS, um, which we may get onto later on, but um, um, how have you found the way that people have reacted to this story? Yeah, I think, I think what we know is that cancer diagnoses are on the rise, unfortunately, in the country, and there's a huge backlog of people waiting for treatment. Mm. I think, as you say, the word cancer brings up all sorts of things in people's minds. Most people have experienced a friend or a family member with cancer. Um, I think people already felt a lot of sympathy and compassion for King Charles in the way that he was treated by Prince Harry in relation to allegations of racism and not being a very good father. Um, I think people will feel sympathy and compassion again today, but for obviously very different reasons. And it may well be that people feel closer to him as a king, actually, mm. in terms of him being very open about his vulnerabilities and his experiences. Yeah, I think we, we mentioned this earlier, Daniel, with Cindy, let me just bring you in as well, because it has been a very different experience being, you know, I don't want to say ruled by, not because I've got any particular Republican ambitions, but ruled by sounds a bit old-fashioned. I'd probably, I wonder if the king would not even say that he rules... Uh, over us, you know? Um, but people are much more in touch now, I think, with their feelings, not only mm. about each other, but about the royal family, right? Yeah, absolutely. And King Charles has had a long time to think about how he wants to do things differently to his mother. Um, as you say, he's only had a year on the job so far, um, but he's clearly had a long time to think about it and is implementing the things that he's talking about. Mm. So on some of the issues that he cares about, he's been doing it in a way that's not too um, heavy-handed. You know, for example, on the climate, when he went to COP to represent the UK, he was able to represent a very progressive, forward-leaning position mm. without being overly political about it. Right. He's talked about a slimmed-down monarchy, for example, because he thinks that this idea of a bloated, uh, out-of-touch monarchy is not good, and that's why he also shortened his own coronation. Mm. Um, and when he was ill over the weekend, Camilla was able to visit him in a way that the Queen uh, and Prince Philip never did for each other. So he is much more yeah. of a modern king in this way. Yeah. Um, and in telling us about this cancer diagnosis, I think that's in the same pattern too. And Daniel, has the firm modernised with him? Because you're the constitutional expert. I mean, you know, we know that in the past even when, um, you know, he was the Prince of Wales and he was still married to Diana, you know, the, it was a very different sort of operation, wasn't it, in terms of the way they operated with the press, in terms of the way that yeah. things were done. Has it moved into a modern era? It's definitely been a bit more open, hasn't mm. it? Definitely keen to do that sort of thing. He's a de definitely a much more touchy-feely monarch. Yeah. Uh, than his mother. Um, but you mentioned the uh, a slim down monarchy. Mm. What is remarkable, actually, they're rather short of members. They are. I mean, two people, the Duke of Gloucester, who's 79, mm. and the Duke of Kent, who's 88, are regularly pressed into service. Right. Uh, and they're, they're not young. And um, they are actually quite short of members. Yeah. If you don't have uh, Prince Andrew and you don't have Prince Harry, um, the numbers are quite limited, in mm. fact. And people want to see those members of the royal family doing those duties. Yes. And now, really of course, do. it'll be even fewer without the King. There, there will be, and we'll be talking some more throughout the course of the show about all of that, but I know we, we have to move on. I'm very sorry, but we'll see you guys back here very shortly. Daniel, thank you very much indeed. Um, you're watching The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Earlier this evening, Buckingham Palace announced that the King has been diagnosed with cancer and will bravely continue with his official duties while taking a step back from public engagements. After the break, we'll be covering what the King's absence will actually mean for British public life.
Welcome back. You're watching the Independent Republican Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. We may have learned of the King's cancer diagnosis today, but he's not the only royal battling the condition. The Duchess of York, Sarah Ferguson, revealed in January that she's battling skin cancer, having fought breast cancer last year. Joining me now is Talk TV's royal commentator, Rupert Bell. Uh, Rupert, uh, thank you for joining us on the Independent Republic. How do you think this will have shaken the palace tonight? I think it's clearly unsettling. Look, Anyone, if you get a diagnosis like this, and within any family, it's going to be uh, uneasy for all for all concerned. Mm. And after he goes into the hospital last week for his uh, benign prostate issue, to then subsequently a week later come out with a diagnosis of a cancer issue of which we don't know the exact details, clearly it is disconcerting. And as one of your last panellists was saying, they are a slimmed-down monarchy. And in terms of fulfilling their duties on behalf of this country, it clearly puts them under increasing pressure. And if you look since the middle of January, obviously with the problem for the Princess of Wales, which is obviously quite serious, meant that the Prince of Wales has had to take a back seat and has only just been eased back into public duties on Wednesday and then will go back to, to looking after his family and his wife, it, it clearly is not easy for anyone. If you look at the, from a wider scale, it is clearly unsettling. And from a family scale, just looking at it as family members, clearly it too is unsettling. Well, absolutely. And, and I mean, with uh, the, the, the uh, Fergie talking about the Duchess of York, talking about her particular problems with cancer, uh, we know that, uh, obviously, as you say, uh, Kate, the Princess of Wales, has been unwell. I mean, I'm wondering what the phone call must have been like, though, uh, which we're told was made personally by the King to his two sons. You know, obviously to William, not so difficult, not much of a problem, but to Harry, if he made a call to Harry, uh, which we might understand to have been the first call they've had, certainly this year... Um, might have been a bit frosty, no? Um, let's be honest. Let just just take away the sort of soap opera element. If you're a father making a call to your son, whatever the circumstances, I think you have to say that it's what if you suddenly get the call and you're the other side of the world as he is, it will be unsettling and mm. and it will sort of forget everything else and just come down to the human interest. Your dad is no longer. Well, and that's what it's come down to. And you have to look at it like that. Yes, there are huge family issues. And Harry has gone out and been pretty, well, let's be honest, he's not held back in his criticisms of the royal family. And uh, no one seems to be have been off limits. Mm. But now you forget the soap opera and come down to the real just family issue. Here's a time for a family that actually they might be able to say, right, through this, you know, it, it's his dad, and he should be concerned about his father and just want to make sure that he is all right and be there and support him as he sees fit. But looking through the history over the last three or four years, it has been very unsettling for all members of the royal family, and Harry has not helped himself. But now is the time not to say we're going to heal all wounds, but put all that aside and it's a son now wanting to make sure and look after his father as best he can, even though he lives now in California. Yes. But practically speaking, Rupert, as well, in terms of the duties that will be um, now 
uh, impossible for the king to carry out and also now the duties that the Princess of Wales won't be able to carry out until possibly sometime after Easter and into April. I mean, what practically happens in terms of things that need to be done? Well, in terms of the sort of constitutional side of it, that will carry on very much as normal. And the king has said that it will be business as usual with regard to the constitutional issues, like the, the meeting with the prime minister, the meeting with the Privy Council, breeding the, the uh, red boxes and, 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 and the affairs of state will carry on. What will not happen will be the uh, public duties, the public-facing side of it. We saw the king yesterday striding purposefully to church because he always knows that I need to be seen. And we saw him going into uh, the clinic uh, when he was having his treatment. We saw him coming out. And we saw him on Sunday. And the Queen has been very visible in her duties since uh, coming. He, the King has come out of hospital. But there will be a strain on resources. And as you say, the, well, the Duke of Gloucester and Duke of Kent are clearly older men, so they are not necessarily out in the front line. So there's going to have to be some heavy lifting by other members of the royal family, such as the Princess Royal, who has shown herself always to never shirk her responsibility. The Queen is going to have to manage what she does now around uh, being there for her husband. But the Prince of Wales is obviously a more complicated issue because he's not only going to be concerned about his father, but he's also got to be concerned about his wife. So he's in a, in a, in a bit of a sort of quandary. Mm. But as I say, he's back out on Wednesday doing an investiture and going to a function on Wednesday night, but it's very limited. So in terms of the royal family, it's spread pretty thin, mm. but as the king always wanted to slim down monarchy, but perhaps not in these circumstances. Quite. And just one other thing, Rupert. I mean, as far as um, the king going in for his procedure um, last week, um, it took a bit longer than we expected because there was a time when I think the announcement initially said he won't be in hospital overnight, and then it turned out he was in, I think, for for three nights. And so, I mean, we assume, maybe wrongly, uh, that he was told during the process of some tests while he was in that they discovered something else. Is that what your understanding is? Uh, look, I, I'm not privy to the actual medical details, and no one is. But you would assume that something came out while he was under having his treatment yeah. and that they found something else. And I think the statement has alluded to that yeah. fact that while he was undergoing his uh, procedure for his benign prostate condition, something else manifested itself. So I think it was lucky that whilst he was in hospital, they found something else in the early stages because he's a pretty fit man for his age. Mm. Look, he's only been in hospital for what tends to be uh, back injuries and riding accidents and sort of uh, physical things that he's been involved in. He's He's, a, he's been a robustly healthy individual. So I think it's probably fairly fortuitous that he'd go in for something else and they've discovered something maybe potentially a little more serious, which they are now going to be able to deal with in the early stages of whatever it is. But let's be honest, I know no more than anybody else, so it would be slightly churlish of me to speculate.
Okay. Rupert, good to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed. Rupert Bell there, uh, Talk TV's Royal uh, Correspondent, checking in uh, with us on what we know, uh, what we will find out over the course of the next few days. We'll be talking about that uh, coming up. Don't forget tonight as well, at 11pm, uh, the full interview between Piers Morgan and Rishi Sunak, the Prime Minister from Piers Morgan, uncensored. That can be found on this very channel at 11 o'clock. Uh, tonight after this show. You're watching The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Earlier this evening, Buckingham Palace announced the King has been diagnosed with cancer. After the break, I'll be joined by Talk TV presenter James Whale, who is currently battling cancer and has some encouraging words of his own for our King. Welcome back. You're watching The Independent Republican Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. I want to bring you the breaking news again. At six o'clock this evening, Buckingham Palace announced the King has been diagnosed with cancer. I'm now joined by Talk TV legend James Whale, who is, of course, facing his own cancer battle. James, um, a very good evening to you. Welcome to The Independent Republic. Good evening to you, sir, as <laughs> well. And everybody on Talk Radio and Talk TV together. Yes, great to see you. Um, you and I have been uh, through many uh, different encounters on various different shows over the years. Yes. Um, we did a great show uh, last year, which was a sort of a, a culmination of your glorious career, which is, I'm glad to say, still going on. And, um, you know, today you must have thought of yourself, perhaps, and others when uh, the announcement made by the Palace came out around about six o'clock that King Charles has got cancer, because it's one of those things that you know more than anyone... Um, when you get told it, you only, only you really know how that feels. Yeah. Um, well, I've I've had that happen to me twice. Yeah. And, um, and today is uh, the beginning of uh, Kidney Cancer Awareness Week, which I am suffering with kidney cancer that has spread everywhere. Right. Sorry, I'm lounging around. I was just relaxing Not at home. Um, the problem the problem is that. It depends how old you are and how you uh, approach things. When I was first told, I was in my 40s, my late 40s, when I had kidney cancer. They took my kidney and the tumour out, and uh, it, it didn't come back for 20-odd years. Mm. So it, it takes a bit of getting used to. When you're in your 70s, um, you probably can be a little more reflective of your life and think, well, uh, it would be a lot worse if it happened when I had young children and stuff like that. Yeah. There's no easy way to tell somebody, you know, if I'm your doctor, Mike, and I come in and mm. we've done some tests and I sit down with you, I say, look, would you like me just to be very straight with you or do you want me to go around the bushes? Mm. I bet you'll say I want you to be straight. And I yeah. say, well, I've got to tell you that you have, let's say it's uh, prostate cancer. Mm. And um, then you a little bit of a shock and you think, oh, my God, how long am I going to live is usually the first question anybody asks. And, and the, the doctor will probably say, I'm really, really at this stage not sure. Mm. You might trip down the stairs leaving the surgery. Yeah. Um, and you make a bit of a, a joke about it. You have to think about it in that term. Mm. But you will, and I'm sure King Charles, because he's the sort of guy that can handle this sort of thing, will be very pragmatic. Mm. I'm sure in the next day or so, um, he will be revealing which cancer he has. Uh, the prostate, the bladder and kidney cancer are all in the same sort of area. So it could have been one of those. He might even yeah. have the same cancer as me, yeah. um, for which if he needs any help, I can direct him to Kidney Cancer UK's website. Ah, of course. But I think a lot of people are frightened of the word cancer. Yeah. And we don't use it enough. 
Mm. We're using it more, and I think it needs to be used more, and we need to talk about it a, no, a, a yes. lot more. Because one in two of us, right, will get cancer. Right. Which is an incredible I statistic. I mean, it used to be one in four. It's now one yeah. in two. Um, we still don't really know much about how you get cancer. We still don't really know much about how anybody uh, gets it in any different part of their body. Do yeah. you think that he should then uh, be more elaborate about telling us exactly what kind of cancer it is? Do you think he should do that? I think he will. Yeah, absolutely. He's revealed he has cancer. They've said it isn't prostate. Um, and they will have found what they thought was cancer while they were, you know, looking at his prostate. So something came up in that area, I mm. presume. Um, and who knows? It might be something completely different, of course. I'm not a doctor, as they say. But if it is in that area, the sort of cancer that I have, um, they thought I had a, a, a prostate cancer at one point and a bladder cancer at another. They ruled all of those out. It's, it, it, the fact is that the majority of people get cancer get it because we're living longer than we used to. But the, the terrible business is that children get cancer mm. and quite a lot of children get cancer and nobody's quite sure why that is. Yes. And what about how you tell your loved ones what you've been told by your doctor? Because, again, you'll have had to do that a few times in your life. I mean, yeah. that must be quite hard, even tougher in a way than being told by a doctor that you've got it, is you telling other people that you've got it. I think you have, I mean, this is how I do it or how I did it. I mean, I, I told them all, I rang them, everybody up and said, hey, guess what? I've got cancer. Mm. And they, oh, I said, no, fine, we're, uh, we're looking at it, dealing with it and, and sound up. Listen, I don't sound like I'm ill, do I? No. I look, you know, overweight, ruddy-faced and just normal. You've always looked like that. His, yeah, well, <laughs> of course, you and me both, you know. <laughs> um... um uh, so it's very difficult. I've, I've been told when I first had it, when it came back, I, I might make six months, I might make a year. That's nearly four years ago. Yeah. And so I, I have to put up with people say, are you using it as a publicity stunt? I can assure you I'm not. No. So I, I've got cancer in my lungs, uh, in my head, in my back. Um, uh, interesting thing, do you know, if you have a primary cancer, mine is kidney, do you know that kidney cancer... Uh, is in my lungs. It's not lung cancer. Mm. I've got kidney tumours. When they spread, it's the tumour from the original cancer. I yeah. didn't know that. It's incredible because, you know, I see you some days when you're not feeling quite as well as other days, but you must be in quite a lot of pain at times as well because I think what people don't know who, who've never had cancer is how painful it can be. It can be painful and some days, and some, you know, I get really very tired Um and, and, and try and rest up mm. uh, for my Saturday show. Uh, this week, I'm trying to do other things, and I'm doing your show later in this week, I think, and uh, your fun show I'm talking about, not, yeah. um, and various other things, because it is Cancer Awareness Week. Mm. But if you treat it and you're frightened of the word and it, it'll get worse. I get, like last week, I had a really depressing week, I ached a lot. You get something called cancer fatigue yeah. and it makes you very tired because your body is fighting the tumours. And I know, listen, I know my, I'm terminal, okay? I absolutely know I'm terminal and uh, I'm, I, may, I may get through this year. I may not. So you go with that in your mind and if you're able and you feel fit enough, go out and do something you want to do rather than mope around. I mean, I'm, 
you know, I'm still waiting to have lunch with you, which uh, we must do at some point because you are you asked me and you've got loads of money. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I've seen I've seen your car. Yes. Um, I, I, listen, I, I, I promise I will take you out for lunch, but for now I have to leave you because I'm under very strict instructions, as you can imagine. Uh, this yeah. is a huge, huge organisation that is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. James, great to see you. Thank you very much <laughs> well, indeed. I'm wishing the King well. Yes, of course, as are we all. And uh, don't forget, yeah. uh, we will be bringing you more on what's going on with the King coming up in the next hour. But also tonight, after this show, at 11 o'clock, uh, you can watch Piers Morgan and Rishi Sunak, the big interview, Mark II, by the way, uh, because that is what happened at Downing Street just the other day. You're watching The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Earlier this evening, Buckingham Palace announced the King has been diagnosed with cancer. Following the shocking news, it has been revealed that Prince Harry will travel to the UK to see his father, and we cross the pond to see Kinsey Schofield, who will cover global reaction to the shocking news. See you after this. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Good evening and welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. You're with Talk, we're on TV, we're on radio, we're online and of course we're on your smart speaker. Coming up, King Charles is diagnosed with cancer following treatment for an enlarged prostate with Buckingham Palace announcing that he's choosing to share this diagnosis to avoid speculation and assist public understanding for those who share the condition. It is not known at this stage what type of cancer His Majesty has. His son, Prince Harry, announces he will fly back to the UK to visit the King. We'll be bringing you all the latest news and reaction as it happens. This is the place to be. Now, messages of support for the King have been pouring in from around the world, including from the Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, who said on Twitter, wishing His Majesty a full and speedy recovery. I have no doubt he'll be back to full strength in no time, and I know the whole country will be wishing him well. Joining me now is Talk TV's Chief Political Correspondent once more, Mr Peter Cardwell. Peter, thanks for uh, uh, being here still for us. Um, they've obviously been coming in uh, in, in large numbers yeah. from various heads of state, from, from people uh, in the world of, um, uh, of entertainment. All sorts of people have been talking about Prince Charles and sending him messages. Uh, give us a flavour of some of them. Please. Yeah, there are lots, as you say, from entertainment, from politics, uh, but not just from the Commonwealth, but yeah. around the world as well. Boris Johnson, the former Prime Minister, tweeted, the whole country will be rooting for the king today. Yeah. Best wishes to Charles III for a full and speedy recovery. Mm. Sadiq Khan, the mayor of London, said, on behalf of Londoners, I wish his majesty a speedy and full recovery. I look forward to his return to full health as soon as possible. And Mike, this news came out at six o'clock mm. and I think one of the first tweets I saw was actually from Sir Keir Starmer, who yes. will have, I don't know whether he was told officially, but certainly he would have got wind of the mm. fact that something was happening. And he wrote, on behalf of the Labour Party, I wish His Majesty all the very best for his recovery. We look forward to seeing him back in swift, to swift 
full health. Joe Biden as well, stateside, yeah. both he and Donald Trump have tweeted as well. Uh, Joe Biden said, uh, well, he was asked by reporters in Las Vegas what his message was for the king. He said he had uh, just heard his diagnosis. I'm concerned about him, he told reporters. That was at a union event. He said, hopefully, I'll be talking to him soon. But he said, navigating a ca cancer diagnosis, treatment and survivorship takes hope and absolute courage. Jill and I, of course, Jill Biden is a medical doctor. Dr. Uh, Jill Biden, he sent best wishes from them as well. Um, and Donald Trump, of course, is uh, running for... President, uh, he put, King Charles has cancer. He is a wonderful man who got to know well during my presidency. And we all pray that he has a fast and full recovery. And just one more, Mike, from Justin Trudeau. Remember that the king is, of course, head of state in yes. Canada. And it was due to go there, I think, wasn't he? That's right, yeah. So the, the um, plan was to be around May time. Mm. So that, that trip is probably postponed, I would imagine. We'll see. But he said, uh, like I, like Canadians across the country and people around the world, said uh, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, I'm thinking about his majesty. King Charles III, as he undergoes treatment for cancer, we're sending him our very best wishes and hoping for a fast mm. and full recovery. Yes. I mean, Donald Trump there, the only one who wrote his in capital letters. Yes. I don't oh, suppose the that's on. particularly significant. But, <laughs> I don't um, think we can read too much into no, that. No, but it does stand out, doesn't it? So, well, he, he, he often draws an, an exclamation mark in there as well. The one that I find interesting as well was uh, Michelle O'Neill, the new First Minister, yes. where, from my part of the world, from Northern Ireland, who, uh, I mean, much better relations now mm. than, uh, than Sinn Féin previously. Of course, she attended the coronation. Uh, she attended the Queen's funeral as well and sent her best wishes, even though within the last 36 yeah. hours, she said, and there it is. very sorry to hear of King Charles's illness and I want to wish him well for his treatment and a full and speedy recovery. Uh, I mean, she, within the last 36 hours, called for a united Ireland to get rid of the monarchy. Yes. Uh, but but uh, has warm personal relations with Charles and, and as mm. the leader or one of the leaders of Northern Ireland, wanted to, to wish him well. Yes, and Hamza Yusuf as well in Scotland, I think. That's right, one of, yeah. one of his own And Mark Drakeford in Wales as and well. But interesting from the SNP, the SNP don't necessarily want to get rid of the monarchy, no. but they do want uh, certainly independence for Scotland. And it is interesting, of course, that Hamza Yusuf put that out, as did Mark Drakeford, the mm. First Minister of Wales. Right, this trust I've got here as well. Uh, she ends hers with God save the King, sending every best wish to His Majesty the King and the Royal Family as he undergoes his treatment for cancer. He will be in our thoughts and prayers. I mean, I think it also means really, doesn't it, that this is a big story, not yeah. just because, you know, uh, we in the media are fascinated by the royal family uh, or because we think that, um, you know, the royal family means an awful lot to an awful lot of people. You know, it's about cancer, it's about health, it's about family, it's about so many things. And it for is. people overseas who are watching, you know, their news bulletins being led by this story, mm. it's it's a, quite a sort of a seismic event, isn't it? It is, and as we found out in the last year and a half, you know, the royals are mortal. They mm. do suffer the same afflictions as the rest of us. The Queen was 96 when she died. King Charles has been king, uh, crowned anyway, mm. for less than a year. And this is something that really, I think, has shaken the mm. nation, actually. And people want the opportunity to send their good wishes. And, of course, the Queen knew she was held in huge affection, but this is an opportunity, and hopefully the King will be on yeah. the throne for a long time to come, as Liz Truss said, God save the King. But at the same time, I think a lot of people want to make their, their feelings known very quickly right. in this media age as well. It's so easy to do that, yeah. um, to put that on Twitter or, or mm. another social media account and make it clear that, yes, you know, you're sending best wishes, even if you're not a yeah. royalist. And as we found uh, with, with um, the late Queen's death, you know, it makes you look into your own kind of views of the royal family. Of course, makes yeah. you look into your own life in a way. Mm -hmm. I mean, my, my own mother, um, when, when the Queen passed, said... She more or less lived exactly through the same years that I yeah, did, yeah. and it felt to her as though 
she could now pass on happily because the Queen had gone. You know, I mean, yeah. it was that personal to a lot of people. Well, my grandmother was died in '96, a few months mm. after the Queen, and was exactly the same age. You know, yeah. a few months later uh, was her birthday. But it's it's interesting. Just you do think about it, and you do think of people not just as the head of state, not yeah. just as this person we we sort of think we know, but actually right. don't know. Right. You know, everybody has an opinion on on mm. King Charles, but how many of us actually know him? Yes. really well, even if we've read lots about right. him or heard lots about him. So, yes, there is a lot here. And I think, uh, you know, to see so soon into his reign that he has cancer, which half of people mm. will have at some stage in their life, and at 75, which these days is still pretty young. Yeah, this is the thing. I mean, it's it's a story because it's so common. Yes. But it's also a story because of who he is. And, and, and he is in such a rare and privileged position. So, no, there are lots of reasons mm. for this. And I think that hopefully we all wish, well, most vast majority of people wish mm. the royal family very, very well. And it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, within that as well. We know Harry is coming from uh, Los Angeles, perhaps some sort of uh, some sort of family, obviously a family reunion, but hopefully he'll get on better, certainly with his father and his brother as well. He'll yeah. be feeling the strain because his own wife, uh, Princess Kate, the Princess of Wales, of course, has had major mm. abdominal surgery at the age of just 42. Yeah. So the royal family, you know, Fergie as well, Sarah Ferguson has uh, skin cancer. They have not their sorrows to seek at the moment. Mm. Absolutely right. We'll be talking about Harry uh, very shortly. But, Peter, thank you very much indeed. I know you've got up early tomorrow for breakfast. You'll be back uh, talking to, uh, to breakfast. The news never stops, Tomorrow Mike. morning, the news never stops. It just carries on here at Talk TV. Peter Cardwell, thank you very much indeed. Prince Harry says he will travel to the UK in the next few days after speaking to the King about his diagnosis. Let's cross now live uh, over across the Atlantic to the host of the To Die For podcast, the one and only Kinsey Schofield. Kinsey, welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. It's my favorite place. Uh, but I do have to tell you, we are hearing that Prince Harry's already on his way. And the reason why I think that that's so compelling is because we are, despite my beautiful backdrop, we are having the worst possible storms here. It is raining cats and dogs. And there's flooding throughout not only Los Angeles, but Santa Barbara in that area of Montecito where Prince Harry lives. Yeah. So to pick up and head in that direction, leaving his wife, Meghan Markle, and his two two children behind, I think says a lot about the significance of this diagnosis and this new information. Absolutely. And we understand that, um, that King Charles made a call to both of his sons, William and Harry, uh, to inform them of the news, um, which would have been an interesting one. I was, I was talking to one of our correspondents earlier to say, you know, that would have been a hard call, particularly Harry, uh, for the king to make because their relations, particularly over the telephone, have not been brilliant. And keep in mind, Harry and Meghan do not hesitate to leak when they feel like they, you know, Harry wrote in his book that he found out about the death of his grandmother through an alert on his phone. Um, you know, they don't hesitate to kind of complain through a third party in the media that they weren't informed of things soon enough. Uh, although I would stress that we have seen a great effort made by the royal family. When Prince Philip died, uh, people actually showed up at Prince Harry's door in Montecito and, and got him out of bed to tell him that Prince Philip died because he wasn't answering his phone. Um, so they they do they feel like a little left out. I feel uh, over here in Montecito, um, and so I am glad that we know that this phone call happened and that Harry was informed directly by his father because I think that that would be very important to him. Yeah, absolutely right. And as far as Harry's 
travels are concerned, I mean, one of the questions that, that I was asked today was if he does come over to see his father, where does he stay? Because we know that there have been kind of questions and problems about where he stayed in the past, whether he can go back to Windsor, whether he can stay somewhere else in London, whether he can have access to a royal apartment somewhere. I mean, it's not that clear. And, and how long do you think he's going to come for? I don't believe it'll be a long visit, if I'm being honest. We know that the Duke and Duchess of Sussex are expected this month to travel to Canada to promote the Invictus, the upcoming Invictus Games. That's the only thing we know uh, for certain on their agenda coming up. Where he will stay, that is up in the air, because what we did know was that it was asked of him that they that he give the, the palace X amount of time in advance before a visit. This is obviously an emergency situation, so I do think that they will find a space for him, find an appropriate space, but considering the circumstances, I also imagine that he's going to get the security that he requests as well on, on this visit. Yeah, absolutely right. And as far as um, the rest of his family is concerned, we, we understand Meghan is now confirmed that she's not coming. Um, and obviously the children won't be coming either. Um, so I guess the, uh, the strangeness of, of their relationship continues, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I, again, it, it is odd to me because we're having like flash floods. I mean, it's we were told last night we all received emergency alerts not to leave our house unless we were trying to escape an emergency situation. So pretty horrific weather here mm. in the States. Um, and I I am a little surprised that, that she wouldn't want to be there just to support her husband. But I also understand that she is not comfortable in that environment. Mm. And perhaps they realize that this is a really delicate time for the family. And I'm not trying to be ugly, but where Harry and Meghan go, typically drama follows. So perhaps they're doing the family, uh, you know, may, perhaps it's a blessing that Harry, that, that Meghan is saying back and it's just Harry going to try to keep the peace, yeah. quite honestly, to, to try to keep the peace. Well, he tried to do that last time he came, didn't he? He came on his own. Um, he didn't really take part in too many of the parties um, at the coronation. He just kind of made an appearance and then left fairly soon thereafter, which was probably the right thing to do. I agree. And uh, what we... I mean, Omid Scobie did report after the coronation that Meghan did not attend because she did not feel welcome and she was going to be uncomfortable there. Mm. However, we heard, you know, it, it was because of the children uh, prior to Omid's last book. Um, so I, I do think that it's probably for the best that Harry, that Meghan stay back and it just be Prince Harry showing his face. I would love for there to be a reconciliation between the king and his youngest son, but I'm a little more hesitant when it comes to Prince William and Prince Harry, because I think Prince William has a lot on his shoulders right now. Mm. I don't know if he can trust his brother. And I know with them being so protective over the Princess of Wales, that, you know, that to me, Prince Harry around Prince William and his family, that, that might be a liability. Yes, exactly. Now, I think we have uh, some uh, footage of Joe Biden, the president, uh, who was asked about the health uh, of the king earlier on this evening. I'm concerned about him, just heard his diagnosis, but I'll be talking to him, God willing. So if you couldn't quite hear that, you said, I hope to talk to him, God willing. Donald Trump also sent a message, as did um, Mr Trudeau from Canada. So, I mean, it's a big story there, isn't it, this? And I do think that 
Joe Biden is sincere in, in his wishes. Cancer has wreaked havoc on his family. So I think that that's a very sensitive subject for him. Um, and I, I really do think he meant it when he said he, God willing, he was going to talk to the king and that he was concerned about the king. Mm. This is, you you know, internationally, this, this is a, a, a crazy story because there was so so much confidence in in the queen's reign. Mm. Um, there was a stability there that really, who else in the world could compete with that? We all go through presidents, prime ministers, whatever, mm. but there was that stability with the queen, and we lost that. And I think we ex we expect to have a long reign with this king because of our long relationship with the queen. I mean, as long as you possibly can. Mm. Um, and so I do think that people are take, you know, are, we're, we're a bit shaken by it because we look forward to a long reign. God save the king. Yeah, I think so. Because with the queen, it was sort of expected that at some point as she got as old as she had become, there would be some kind of either handover of power or a moment when she thought perhaps that she couldn't continue. That moment came and it didn't seem unusual. It didn't seem in any way unexpected. It was sad and everybody reflected on it for a period of time and we had the funeral and we had all the thoughts that were that were sent from around the world. But with Charles and, and his, um, you know, monarchy, it's only so young that you kind of don't want to think about the fact that maybe he won't be there for very long. Um, it was said once at the time that, you know, he was nearly 75 years of age and suddenly here he was getting the one job that he'd waited for all of his life. And it would be kind of ironic in a way if he wasn't well enough, we hope that's not the case, but if he wasn't well enough to carry on. And we suddenly had to see a young king. And it's, you know, this is a man that did not sit still while he was Prince Charles. He found, he created work for himself. He created mm. the Prince's Trust. Like yes. he wanted to be busy. He wanted to be invested in some way and he wanted to make a difference. I think his goal is to leave the planet better than he found it, which I really admire. Yeah. And so to finally have the job and to really feel like all of these ideas you've had for decades mm. can come to fruition, you know, we're really rooting for him and we want to see those things happen for him too. Yeah, absolutely. Kinsey, great to see you. Thank you very much indeed for giving us your thoughts and uh, the views. I hope the rain stops in time uh, before it all floods out uh, uh, there in California. Kinsey Schofield there reporting into us. The announcement uh, has made headlines, of course, around the world. Let's take a look. News now from uh, Buckingham Palace that uh, King Charles III, you'll remember that he went in for an enlarged prostate to the hospital there, was discharged from the hospital. Well, subsequently now, he has been diagnosed with, and they're not seeing exactly what it is, a form of cancer. Lamentablemente, el rey Carlos III, Inglaterra tiene cancer. Tul Buckingham a anunțat în urmă cu foarte puțin timp că regele Charles are cancer. We begin with major breaking news this morning. Buckingham Palace has announced King Charles has been diagnosed with a form of cancer. Nouvelle qui vient de tomber, le roi Charles III souffre d'un cancer. Coming up immediately after this show at 11 o'clock, Piers Morgan interviews Rishi Sunak. The full uh, uncensored version, Piers Morgan uncensored, of course, 11 o'clock tonight, right after the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. You don't want to miss that. You're watching the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Earlier in the evening, Buckingham Palace announced that King Charles III has been diagnosed with cancer. And after the break, we'll be delving into the details of the diagnosis. See you after this.
Welcome back. You're watching The Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV, bringing you breaking news at 6 o'clock this evening that the King has been diagnosed with cancer. Joining me now is oncologist uh, who has been described as a leading world authority on cancer. He is, of course, uh, Carol Sikora. We don't know all the details yet, Carol, but what does it mean uh, when you're diagnosed at the age of the King? It's difficult to piece together what's really happening, Mike. Um, he went into hospital two weeks ago for an operation for an enlarged prostate, very common in all men over 70, and completely benign. And then 10 days later, we get this announcement that he has cancer. Almost certainly what's happened, bits were removed during the procedure, sent to pathology. It takes about 10 days to get the result because you have to do all sorts of processing in the lab. And cancer cells were seen. Quite where, we're not sure. That's not been disclosed. We're told it's not prostate cancer. So the most likely site is the bladder or even the tube connecting the bladder to the outside world that goes through the prostate mm -hmm. called the urethra. Urethral cancer is extremely rare. Bladder cancer is much more common. So that's the most likely site. The other possibility is some sort of glandular cancer in the lymph nodes that's been spotted. Certainly something's been identified and the king's been very open about it so far. And uh, in fact, the release from Buckingham Palace this evening was pretty open. I suspect people are genuinely not committing because they're not totally sure, but his medical team are not totally sure what's actually happening. So do you think it might be the case that they will be more specific once they absolutely know what type of cancer it is? I think they will. I think from what I've seen of King Charles, He'll announce it once it's definite. I mean, the trouble is, you know, medical diagnosis is a fluid thing and may need more tests. The good news, Mike, is that, you know, before the operation, they almost certainly would have done some scans to see if there was any evidence of spread of anything outside the pelvis, the bones, the liver, the lung. And that was clearly negative. And this has come as a bit of a surprise to everybody. And when you get medical surprises, uh, it's very difficult for the public relations team to, to know how best to handle it until it's completely worked out. Right. I suspect by Monday next, we'll be in a much better position to know exactly what's happening. And I'm sure the King will tell people. He's been honest so far about his illness. He'll be honest again. And, you know, it's not the end of the world. A cancer diagnosis, 50% of people are cured. Many more that are healthy. He looks good. He's slim. He's active he's likely to survive a normal lifespan, I would suggest. Well, certainly the, the, the statement appears to be pretty optimistic, doesn't it? It says that he's going to continue working, albeit he won't be going out and about perhaps as much, but, you know, he will be having treatment while continuing to work. So, you know, for those of us who don't know as much about cancer treatment as you do, um, presumably the treatment will not be terribly sort of debilitating. No, it, it, what's happened, you know, I've been an oncologist for as long as I can remember, nearly 50 years, and cancer treatment has got so much better, both chemotherapy and radiotherapy, so much less unpleasant for everybody. Mm. And uh, it's likely that he's being put up for radiotherapy by the sound of the, the things coming out. And that's done usually in the same hospital he had the surgery, the London Clinic, they have a very lovely radiotherapy unit opened by the Queen uh, about 12 years ago and it's high-tech wonderful and I'm sure that's where he'll go for treatment. The suggestion that he'll be going regularly for treatment suggests that it's going to be 
radiotherapy rather than chemotherapy. And that suggests it's local, the disease, which will have a good prognosis, a good outcome. So I think we can be optimistic. And, you know, people have a very negative feeling about cancer. And I think by coming out of it and by talking about it for him, it's great because the sort of negative feelings we heard from the world news about cancer being very sad, the end of the world, it's not true. Mm. People do survive and survive a long period of time. No, of course. And we know from um, the, the reports about his prostate uh, procedure that people uh, in, their, in their droves went to the NHS to be checked out. I think the numbers of men uh, going to get their prostates checked went up by 1,000%. So presumably this might have a similar effect. I think it will. And not only that, it allows people to talk about their disease, you know. Uh, some people with cancer want to hide it. They want to, even from their families, they don't want to talk about it. They pretend they're going somewhere for the day and they're really going to a hospital for treatment. Uh, that is the old Victorian attitude to cancer. And, you know, surely in, in the 21st century, we can get around that. The other thing is the success of cancer treatment depends how early it's caught. And if we can get it early, fantastic. So, people shouldn't be worried about coming forward. And I think what the king is going to do is to use that. He's also going to use a lot of holistic therapies, you know, complementary medicines, I'm sure. And that's only for the good, as long as he has the treatment, the orthodox treatment as well, which he will. And do you think this might give a bit of a boost as well to cancer centres, cancer treatment centres? I mean, you and I speak quite a lot about how much more could be done uh, for those people um, who are not fortunate enough to be members of the royal family who might be waiting for some kind of treatment. I think that's the tragedy in the UK at the moment. We are the bottom of the league table of a disease that's becoming more common and is actually the cause of a quarter of all deaths in this country. And uh, it is one of the sadnesses of my profession that we look at it and it's all possible to treat, it's, uh, but not when it's too late. And the, the diagnostic phase is probably the worst in Europe at the moment. The time spent getting to a diagnosis and getting to start treatment. The target the NHS has is 62 days from diagnosis to treatment. King Charles obviously won't have to wait 62 days for treatment. But just imagine now if you had to wait 62 days, knowing you've got cancer, that's the tragedy in the NHS at the moment. Mm. And it's reversible. It's reversible instantly with a bit of sensible management. Yeah, exactly right. And, of course, one of the other things about the way um, that all of this happens is that not a, lot, not a lot of people know they've got cancer, do they? Because they don't necessarily feel any different. Exactly. You don't look different, you don't feel different, you, you can still play golf or whatever your sport is, you can do it. You may feel a bit tired. One of the problems for cancer patients is going to hospital on such a regular basis. A lady with breast cancer, for example, in the first year may have to go to hospital for 100 times in one year. That's a third of the days in a year, more or less. She's going to have to go to hospital for tests, for radiotherapy, for chemotherapy, for scans and so on. So anything that can be done to make everything faster. And, you know, our NHS is not the fastest delivery service in the world, as you know. And with one in two people now reportedly um, suffering from cancer or at least getting some kind of cancer, I mean, that's an extraordinary number of people when you think about the population of this country. It is. Uh, everybody knows someone with cancer. Uh, and, you know, it is a disease that's uh, come. And it's a disease of, you know, predominantly older people, like the king, but uh, young people do get it. 
but the increase is mainly because of aging, actual pollution, um, smoking's gone down, pollution's a problem, bad diets, lack of exercise, alcohol overuse, and so on. These are all contributory factors. But the biggest driver of cancer incidence is aging. So if you look around the world, Sub-Saharan Africa, the poorest part of the world, have very low cancer, but it's coming up. And it's a good thing, in a sense, because it means there's less deaths in young people from tuberculosis, AIDS, and, uh, 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 and malaria. So the, the, the reverse of that is you get cancer. So putting better cancer treatment facilities in place makes such good sense for the future. Absolutely. Professor Carol Sakura, thank you very much indeed for joining us. We wish you well. Uh, I'm joined once more by my panel, SDP candidate Amy Gallagher, historian and royal broadcaster joins us as well, Rafe Hadel Manku, and assistant editor and spectator Cindy Yu. Welcome back to, uh, to all of you. Um, Rafe, let me start with you because you're the royal historian here. Um, we haven't really covered what might happen um, if it is the case that, that King Charles isn't able to, to perform the functions that he's supposed to perform constitutionally, what would actually happen in that case? Well, it should be said first and foremost, of course, that we don't believe that His Majesty will be incapacitated yeah. under this current course of treatment, as we've had from that very valuable and useful talk from Dr Sakura there. We do believe this is probably radiotherapy. However, we need to talk about these sorts of issues. Uh, under the Regency Act of 1937, if the monarch is inca incapacitated, either due to ill health or to being outside of the country, then two councillors of state can act on behalf of the monarch yeah. on all matters apart from Commonwealth matters, creating peers, appointing a prime minister, or dissolving parliament. Although in 1974, uh, uh, the, queen, uh, the Queen Mother and Princess Margaret did dissolve parliament under the express instruction of, of the Queen. Uh, the councillors of state are essentially the, 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 the spouse of the sovereign and the next four in the line of succession over the age of 21. Mm. Now, that includes currently Prince Harry and Prince Andrew, uh, but in November 2022 in the House of Lords, it was decreed that only working members of the royal family can actually perform that function. Right. So they're not really councillors of state in practice. Uh, as a result of that, the king has recently announced that his sister, Princess Anne, and his brother, uh, Prince Edward, the new Duke of Edinburgh, can fulfil those functions. Mm. So the constitution carries on, but we know that His Majesty will continue to work on his red boxes and so forth. I mean, this man is in very, very good health. We have to remember just yesterday he was at Mass at Sandringham. Uh, this is a man whose only last real serious health issue was back in 1962 or 63, when he almost died of appendicitis. Yeah. But since then, his only injuries have been falling off of polo horses. Right. I mean, he's in very good health. Yes. Lots of broken bones. And he looks after no himself serious well. But, I mean, I guess this is the other thing, Amy, is, is that, you know, Prince, Prince Charles, King Charles is somebody who has always been um, a re relatively healthy individual. You know, apparently he, he doesn't eat uh, the wrong types of food. I think he eats fish only one day a week and all this kind of thing. But it shows you that, you know, no matter what you do, you're going to be exposed to this kind of disease. Yeah, I mean, we've seen in the last year he's been a very active king. Mm. Um, and he looks, as Rafe says, he looks very well. Um, I think people are quite surprised to, to find out that he's 75. I think people often think he's a lot younger than yeah. that. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it can affect anybody, especially at that age. Mm. Um, but as Rafe says, um, it doesn't. it's not a death sentence and it doesn't necessarily mean that he's. You know, he, he might be able to carry on just fine, yeah. and he might, with treatment, be fine. So yeah. we, need to, we need to remember that. Yeah, of course. And, I mean, when these things happen, we were talking earlier with some of the other guests, it does bring into focus either your own kind of relationship with the royal family or your own kind of feelings about the country, mm. I think. And I know a lot of people will say, well, I don't know why you keep making a big deal about it. You know, not everybody cares about the royal family. Mm. But I think most people have a relationship with the royal family 
yeah. particularly over the last year since since the late Queen died. I think it does affect the mood of the nation to mm. some degree. I think we're, we're obviously living in quite turbulent, um, uncertain times, and I think this will add to that. Yeah. Um, King Charles's reign has already been quite turbulent, what with Prince Harry and with, um, you know, lots of, lots of changes in prime ministers and so on. And I think this will just end up leaving people to feel like things are even more uncertain. Yes. Um, and as you say, I think a cancer diagnosis for a lot of people can sharpen their focus a bit. It can mean that they end up reflecting on their life, reflecting on their future, on their legacy. And it may well be that it has the same effect for Charles to, to do that. And it also makes you think about your family. Yeah. Um, and we know that he hasn't seen his grandchildren, Archie and Lilibet, for some time. Yeah. He's obviously estranged from... Prince Harry, um, many people are left wondering what's going to happen to their relationship. And it may, may well be that this is the thing that, that reconciles yeah. them. Who, who knows? It may well do. Cindy, we've just got some of the papers mm. come in. Um, all, as you might not be surprised to know, uh, with uh, Charles on the front, with that new picture of him in his blue pinstripe suit, King's Cancer Shock, front of the mirror. Um, King, I have cancer, front of the sun. Nation's Shock. Um, as treatment starts. We'll look at all of those in detail a little bit later on. But, I mean, I'm just trying to... It's always difficult to try and gauge people's reaction from looking at Twitter or X, as mm. it's now known. Um, but there are still a few people out there who are kind of going, you know, what's the big deal? But it is a big deal, isn't it? Yeah, it is a big deal in the sense that, you know, he has only been in the position for one year, as, uh, as we've talked about. It's been a turbulent time politically and constitutionally. We're looking ahead to an election this year for sure. Yes. So if... If, if this, God forbid, this illness gets worse uh, and, and when we're having to go into that kind of constitutional backup option that Rafe has mm. just described, then it will add to the turbulence of the country. I also think it's important to talk about this just in the sense of raising awareness about cancer. And I think that's what, something that the show has done so well tonight. It's Dr. Sakura, for example, yeah. talking about uh, the importance of early diagnosis. Mm. Uh, early treatment um, and the king coming out and encouraging people basically to check themselves yeah. out as well. And I think it's a time for us to realise that in the UK there's such inequality when it comes to health yeah. outcomes and nowhere is more clear than that than in cancer. Yes. Um, early detection has always been below NHS targets. Mm. NHS wants 75% of people to be within that early detection window. Yeah. Hasn't met that target basically in recent years. Right. Uh, and the UK also performs worse when it comes to survival rates compared to other the Western developed yeah. countries. So let's talk about that. Yeah. Why is that the problem? And, and as you say, uh, Mike, if you're not a royal and you have cancer, you know, can we make that situation better for yes. you through diagnosis and treatment? Well, Rishi Sunak's uh, interview with Piers Morgan is on after this show at 11 o'clock. One of the things he admits to failing at is bringing down the waiting list in the NHS. And a lot of the waiting lists are not just for your first consultation with a cancer specialist, but, you know, your subsequent consultations with other uh, specialists, because you might get the first one um, re relatively quickly, but you might be waiting for, you know, as Carol said, 60 days or so for the second one. Yeah, oh. and uh, uh, sorry. No, my, my mother was a casualty of that as well, yeah. with lung cancer, had it been detected early enough. And we are at the bottom of the pile when it comes mm. to detection of cancer, which is obviously so crucial. That's why we actually must be very thankful that His Majesty did go in for this, mm. in, for this prostate enlargement procedure, because otherwise this wouldn't have been detected, would it? Yes. And I think we should, be, we should, be take, should we take some encouragement from that. And I think what Dr. Sakura said is very important, because there's been so much speculation in the last few hours about the fact that 
the Buckingham Palace did not name the type of cancer he had. But as we've heard here, even the experts Maybe don't, they don't know, know yet. It takes around 10 days or so. You know, the king was so forthcoming by telling people about his enlarged prostate, which saw a 1,000% increase in the number of searches on that, yes. that I think, of course, he would naturally, I think, I assume, will reveal to the public when the time is right what the cancer is, knowing how important that is actually in order to try to improve the nation's yeah. chances when they, when they come with cancer. It should also be said, you know, the royal family do have a history of cancer. We have to remember the queen, according yeah. to Charles Brandreth's book, had bone marrow yes. cancer. Uh, her father, King George VI, had lung cancer mm. as well and died from that at a very young age. Edward VII also had cancer on the nose. So this is something to also remind people that it is a hereditary symptom. Yes, and the more, as we say, we talk about it, the less frightening it becomes. I mean, Amy, you were in the NHS, as we mm. said before, and this is probably not the time to go through that whole story, but we'll get you back <laughs> to do that, I promise, because we would have done that uh, earlier on. But a lot of people say that the, re the real problem inside the NHS in terms of people getting access to what they want is that their priorities are all wrong, that they think about... Um, you know, making sure they're doing things in the right way as far as their, you know, diversity claims are going to be put together and all of that stuff, which gets priority instead of just clinicians being able to see more people. Yeah, that's right. I mean, there's more and more money being poured into the NHS every year. Um, it's a complete myth that the Tories have cut cut spending on the NHS, it's, it's increased. But the quality has unfortunately gone down. It's not about money, it's, it's about the way it's being spent. It's, it's mismanagement. Yeah. We see, it's, you know, in the, working in the NHS, I see a lot of management and administrative roles that really aren't necessary, actually. Um, and you wouldn't really miss them if they were gone. And as you said, we see, we see advertisements for diversity and equity officers that are six-figure salaries. Mm. And all the while, you know, frontline staff are leaving and there's a high turnover of frontline staff. Um, people moving overseas, people not wanting to work in the NHS anymore. So it is a real crisis. And I, I think, you know, it, is, it does speak to that, um, as Cindy was saying, the, the inequality that we know, we assume King Charles would get the best possible mm. treatment. But there are seven, over seven million people waiting for treatments on the NHS yeah. now. Um, and there is a large backlog of cancer treatments mm. who will be watching King Charles and, and, you know, feeling some, you know, similarity with him, but also in, in other ways not. Yes, exactly right. Cindy, let me talk to you about the international reaction because mm. we've seen um, Joe Biden and, and Donald Trump uh, talking and uh, sending uh, very pleasant messages across. We'll probably see more of that as the, uh, as the evening wears on. But let's talk about those countries that have been forming sort of, you know, some power formation, shall we say, you know, the <laughs> Saudis, the Middle East, uh, China, Russia. You know, do they see our royal family in the same way as what you might call the West does. Well, I can't generalise across that um, axis, as it were. I realise it's uh, a big area. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think, you know, certainly from the perspective of China, um, and I think this goes to show the soft power of the royal family, that even in a place like China, the royal family actually does have hold a really high profile in people's minds, in the yeah. minds of public opinion and in the minds of government officials. You remember when the Queen passed away, the Chinese did insist on sending a very senior yes. state official, one of the vice presidents, mm. to come to the state funeral, even though there was a huge argument about mm. whether or not he should have been allowed yeah. to come. Um, and the reason for that is because our constitutional monarchy means that the monarch is not associated with the political stances of the government of the day. They are associated with the United Kingdom as a political force, mm. a civilizational force on the international stage. And countries like China respect that. They really respect mm. that. And so when someone is ill um, like this, I think, um, I haven't seen if the Chinese have put out a statement, but I think we would expect, um, you know, very civilized responses to yes. that. 
And then in terms of public opinion, I mean, when Princess Diana passed away in China, that was really, really cut through, actually, mm. because she really had that kind of international appeal um, in all parts of the world. Yeah. Um, so I think I think we can expect a lot of, um, kind of civil responses, even if normally day to day yeah. we don't agree on much. Right. Yeah, I was just wondering, I suppose, Rafe, about the kind of longevity of of, um, of the, the institution, if you like. You know, I mean, it's now a much more modern institution we hear today than it even was under the, the late Queen. Um, does it have any more incarnations to go, I suppose, is the question. Well, as, as Karuk, uh, King Farouk once said, eventually there'll only be five kings left in the world. Right. The King of Ace, Diamond, Spades, Clubs and the King of, <laughs> and the king of England. Yes. And the beauty of our monarchy, the reason that it's survived, whereas others have fallen in France and Russia and Germany and elsewhere, has been its ability to evolve and adapt with the time. Right. Never being at the cutting edge, but following slowly in the wake of all that. Mm. So the monarchy of today isn't the monarchy of, of, of the 1990s, let alone the monarchy of the 1960s mm. or 50s. We're seeing very much an effort now by, by the Prince of Wales and the King to try to actually reform the monarchy a bit to appeal to the youth demographic. Yeah. Because if there is any danger to the monarchy, it is with the fact that we have the most left-wing youth in history across a whole series of different policy issues. And it's, it's, it, if, it doesn't, if it's not able to actually reconnect with the young in some way, then it will have a, an existential crisis facing yes. it. Yeah, I think you might be right. You might be in terrible trouble with calling him the King of England as well. People in Scotland, <laughs> very, they always complain. Blame King Farouk, not they me. Always, they always complain. Uh, now, before we go to a break, let's uh, just step away from the royals because the Prime Minister has admitted, as I said, that he's failed on his pledge to cut NHS waiting lists in an exclusive interview with Talk TV's Piers Morgan. The interview comes as The Times released their Health Commission report, which called for a greater emphasis put on community care with pharmacists taking the pressure off doctors. 11pm tonight, Talk TV will bring you the interview with Piers Morgan and Rishi Sunak. Here's a flavour of what you can expect. NHS waiting lists. We have we'll... not made enough progress. You failed on that pledge. Yes. Because you said NHS waiting lists will fall. Uh, in fact, they are slightly coming down now, that... but well, the waiting list is still that. nearly half a million yeah. more than it was at the start of last year. Yeah. You accept that? But yes, and we all know the reasons for that. I, what I would say to people is, look, we've invested record amounts in the NHS. More doctors, more nurses, more scanners. All these things mean that the NHS is doing more today than it ever has been. But industrial action has had an impact. So my mother is 79 and she had a heart attack three months ago. She was put on a trolley in A&E, in a corridor, for nearly seven hours. The heart monitor battery ran out. Nobody fixed it. At one stage, no nurse came for three or four hours. There were between, she reckons, 35 and 40 other people on trolleys in the corridors. And she was also terrified, of course, having been told you've had a heart attack, that no one was putting her into the unit and actually trying to fix her. Now, once she got up there, the treatment she got was world-class. She was fixed within 36 hours. But I, you know, I brought this one picture to show you. That's, you know, that's my mum, who's worked all her life, right? Paid her taxes all her life. And when she really needed the NHS, yeah, eventually the NHS came through. But she could have died on that trolley. And I think that's shocking. Yeah, that is a shocking story. And I'm really glad that she's feeling better now and send her my best. And I'm glad she got the treatment that she needed. This was a Monday night, Prime Minister. This wasn't yeah. even the weekend. Yeah. 
Yes, uh, much more of the same. You'll come uh, be able to see that coming up after this show at 11 o'clock tonight. Um, coming up in a little while, we'll have a proper look at the front pages, all of which very much dominated uh, by the news from Buckingham Palace about the King. You're watching The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Earlier this evening, Buckingham Palace announced the King Charles shock cancer diagnosis. After the break, we'll keep on the royal announcement, and plus we'll cover all of what tomorrow's papers have said on the matter. Welcome back. You're watching The Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. I want to bring you the breaking news once again. At 6 o'clock this evening, Buckingham Palace announced the King has been diagnosed with cancer. Still with me are SDP candidate Amy Gallagher, historian and royal broadcaster Rafe Heidel-Mankou, and assistant editor at The Spectator, Cindy Yu. Let's have a look, uh, guys, at some of the other uh, stories on the front pages this morning, and obviously all very much dominated um, by King Charles and the announcement. The Sun... First of all, um, the nation's shock as treatment starts. He told William and Harry himself. Um, as I said, Cindy, earlier, that would have been an interesting conversation, certainly with Harry, um, who we believe is on his way, um, very possibly even as we speak. Um, mm -hmm. Apparently the weather's really awful in California <laughs> and it's not that easy to get out of, uh, uh, of Montecito because it's a place where they have a lot of mudslides and things whenever the weather's really bad. So if he's getting himself to an airport, um, he's probably going to be over here sooner uh, than we think. But, um, I mean, it's still inevitably going to be a big part of the story, isn't it? Harry coming back yes. to see his dad. Absolutely. And I think, you know, we, earlier we were talking about the modernised monarchy, the more personal monarchy. The king breaking this news to both of his sons personally, I think it's a, it's a very in-character thing for him to do. Um, it's great to see that Harry has managed to put past bygones mm -hmm. aside and be on his way immediately. Um, and I think when he comes, we'll see some you know, pretty touching photos, yeah. actually, of him, the son from halfway across the world, who has so much bad blood with his father yeah. and his brother over the last 12 months, coming back at the first opportunity to make sure that his dad is OK. Um, it is a shame, of course, that not the whole family will be coming, because yeah. the last... I, I don't remember when the last time the king saw Meghan and his grandchildren were. Yeah. Um, but, of course... Well, none of us have really seen the grandchildren, grandchildren at all. You know, we saw them sort of as babies, but we haven't really yeah. seen them. Other than some artsy Instagram photos, mm. really. That, um, but yes, of course. I mean, but that. I mean, that. That's part of their decision to step down from the publicity yeah. part of that thing to give their family a bit more privacy. Um, but you know, for, for this kind of situation, notwithstanding the occasional book and Netflix series and, and, and libel case. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, Rafe, does does this also wonder uh, make people wonder whether he didn't why he didn't come back a bit earlier though? Because I mean, he could have come back um, to see Kate. But, I mean, I presume that that wasn't in. Uh, in the tea leaves because they don't get on terribly well. Uh, he could have come back to see his father when he, before he went in for his prostate operation. That's true, he could have, but, you know, at least he's, he is coming back now and we should actually, you know, acknowledge that and hope, you know... But there had been hope, of course, at the time of the Queen's death that that would be an occasion mm. for some sort of reconciliation. Yeah. Obviously, it's at times of family trauma that there is an opportunity to actually let bygones be bygones and look to the more important things. Um, but what it does highlight, actually, is the fact that you just mentioned Archie and Lilibet, the children. That was part of the future of the monarchy. You know, you've got four ten potential future working royals, Meghan, Harry, Archie and Lilibet too, um, you know, when the king talked about a slimmed-down monarchy originally, there were ten members mm. of the royal family. With the departure of Harry and Meghan and Prince Andrew, it got down to seven. Now, with the king temporarily unable to perform duties, the Princess of Wales as well, 
um, they're down to an even smaller number. Yeah. And it calls into question that, you know, whether or not it was a good idea or not. We know that Princess Anne has critiqued this idea yes. of a slimmed-down monarchy. And Edward, presumably, can step in to but do that. But, you know, but, but they're, in, they're approaching, you know, the 60s and 70s. We, uh, you know, the Duke of Kent and the Duke of Gloucester uh, are, are both approaching 90 and 80, respectively. Yeah. Princess Alexandra already 90. So we've got a 10 to 15-year gap now where there are not enough royals to be able to fulfil the duties until Prince William's children come of age. Right. So there's a lot of questions now as to whether it might be time to invite someone like Princess Beatrice or Eugenie mm. to take on some royal duties because they've done that in the past, although they split their time now between Portugal and, and New York. Maybe it's time for Princess Louise and, and James, you know, Earl of Wessex, the children of mm. Prince, Prince Edward, to step up in a few years. But we're still talking about, for them, about five or ten years. And the monarchy has to be seen and be seen to be doing good. That's where the, the monarchy's popularity lies. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's the symbol of the nation and the supreme champion of civic duty. So it has to be going to soup kitchens and to the girl guides and opening hospitals, you know, celebrating the unsung mm. heroes of Britain. And I'm afraid, you know, we're not a small bicycling monarchy like, like yes. Norway or Sweden. We're a large country and we need lots of members of the royal family mm. to be going around. Yeah. I mean, I don't think people want that, do they? I don't think people in this country, even those who are not particularly fond of the royal family, they don't want it to become uh, this sort of cycling Danish royal. No, look, people have had enough of it. I mean, I think, I think it's nice that hopefully if Prince Harry comes over. Um, there won't be any of this controversy or any of mm. you know. Hopefully he'll behave himself. And I think most people will will welcome that. You know, people don't want this endless psychodrama no. of, of Prince Harry's. You know, in a no people have fed in up a psyche. That. No, and I think um, you know. Hopefully Meghan. Will I mean we, we know often when when the attention is on the royals she can often do publicity stunts which some people interpret as trying to take attention away from them. Mm. Hopefully she will behave as well, and it might be nice to see them to see them not having that kind of a drama. Hopefully. Yeah, it might be. Uh, the Times has got the king has cancer, and they've got that picture of him as I say in that very blue pinstripe suit um, uh, taken during a state visit to France. It says in um, in September of last year um, they released this picture just today, um, and so the Telegraph also use it. Simon Heffer writing quite a good piece, positive piece, saying that knowing he has the support of his people will strengthen his spirits, and that's um, in the Telegraph. Simon Heffer, a great royalist, of course, writing about how actually it might bring the country together in some way. God knows, could use something, couldn't we, Rafe? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I'm just looking at this picture here, and it just reminds us, you know, that the king has often voted the world's best-dressed man. It's very style-conscious. <laughs> yes. Uh, it looks, looks quite splendid there. But you're quite true, you know, it is at times like these that the nation does often come together. Um, you know, we, 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 it's, it's important that we don't always look at Twitter or X. Uh, I, you, you know, know I look at it less Extremists and, less and radicals now. and nutcases tend yeah. to have a much louder voice there than they do in the wider public. X has definitely gone a bit sort of doolally recently, it seems to me. I mean, I look at it less and less, for, particularly to gauge the way the country feels because it seems to represent the ordinary people of the country less and less now, doesn't it? Well, it represents the very worst elements of society, I think, and it just gives it gives a, a, a platform to people who actually don't represent the majority viewpoint, and mm. yet, because they are, they are the most vocal, their voices get amplified. Yes, exactly right. Daily Mail um, have got quite a sort of positive front page. Charles is so grateful they caught it early, uh, and they say he's hugely positive about the health battle as Harry flies in to be with his father. They've got that picture from uh, uh, Sandringham on Sunday. But also they've got three of their top writers. Robert Hardman, he waited so long to be king. Now this, Robert Hardman's book, of course, only was out a couple of weeks ago. Will William and Harry finally be reconciled? Richard Kay and Sarah Vine, get well soon, sir. Your country needs you. 
Mm. And this is a really encouraging front cover because we've talked about how important early diagnosis is. Yeah. Um, and here is the Daily Mail saying that Charles, uh, according to those close to him, has confirmed that it was an early diagnosis because mm. we don't really know what the diagnosis was. And so that bodes pretty well for the chances of recovery, I think, uh, where odds are already quite good uh, anyway. Um, and so I find that a very encouraging yeah. cover. Um, to, they also to, to say, that. in case you were wondering how long the time frame actually is, it'll be the first time that Harry and William have spent any significant time together in more than 18 months, which is awfully long time, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, one of the things we're going to be looking for is, is to see whether there's actually any any contact between the two brothers when he does come to the UK. Yeah. Because the, the, the Prince William is very, very apprehensive about saying anything to his brother, mm. lest it appear in a future book mm. or, a, or Netflix documentary. Mm. And so that's one of the things I'm, I'm sure that Royal Watchers will be looking to see very keenly. Yes, exactly. absolutely. Finally, just the mirror and the star. We should mention the star, I suppose. King Chaz, <laughs> I have cancer. Um, which is, as ever, as you would expect from them, very populist, but gives us, brings you a smile uh, and a difficult day, doesn't it? I think so. Yes, and they run, and, and the mirror runs big with that blue uh, pinstripe suit yeah. picture again. And I just think, what a brilliant uh, move yeah. in terms of it really is to send out that it picture. It's a great, though... it's a great picture. We've yeah. got to run though, Cindy. Sorry to <laughs> close you down. Uh, thank you very much. That's all for me tonight. You've been watching the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Talk today breakfast. We'll bring you more details back tomorrow. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode, and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.